to me anyway, leading the congregation and singing without musical accompaniment is a very difficult thing. So I appreciate her soldiering on through that. Turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. And yes, there is an Old Testament book called Habakkuk. Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets. The major prophets being Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. And when it's called a minor prophet, we need to understand what's meant by that. The, the prophecies and the prophets themselves and the minor prophets were no less than the major prophets. The only reason they're called the minor prophets is because their books are shorter. That's the only reason. So, so, so don't get the idea that their, their prophecies are any less important than those of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. So in the book of Habakkuk, we're going to begin, and uh, it's only three chapters, we're going to preach through this book. And in reading the book of Habakkuk and listening to the prophet uh, and to God's words and responding to him, the more it becomes clear that the human condition was much the same then as it is now. You know, Solomon said that there is, that there is nothing new under the sun. Uh, the human condition is the same. And the prophet, we're going to find, he was heartbroken, broken, heartbroken over the sins of his nation. And so he cries out to God. And the book of Habakkuk declares the judgments to come upon his nation. Um, Habakkuk had a burden. And it was the sins of the people of Israel or the people of Judah that led to Habakkuk's broken heart. He looked across his nation, and, and we're going to talk about in a minute some of the things that were going on. And one of the reasons I wanted to preach through this book was because the political, the societal, the, the everything, the climate of Habakkuk's day very much mirrored our own in where we live today. All right. So in verse two, or let's re let's read the whole chapter, verse seven, all seventeen verses. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. <clears throat> o Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear, or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. The, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. <clears throat> their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They came, they all came, come for violence, all their faces forward. They gathered captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. 
They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by the, like the wind and, guilt, and go on, guilty men, whose own might is their God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? So evidently, the prophet Habakkuk had looked at the sins of his nation and it burdened him and he's obviously been crying out to God for some time. Asking God, what are you going to do? How long are you going to look at what's going on in our nation today? And, and God, how long are you going to let this go on? And he was perplexed. And he didn't understand, God, why don't you do something? And as we're going to see, God says, oh, I'm going to do something. And he said, but you're not going to believe what it is. Because it's going to be not what they expected. We see a perilous situation everywhere Habakkuk looked. He saw violence. He saw civic injustice. He saw iniquity everywhere. Sound like any place you know? The sinning just seemed to go on and on, generation after generation, and the prophet Habakkuk was sick of the sight of the wrongdoing and, the, uh, and he was fearful of what it was going to bring. The law always becomes paralyzed, as, I, as Habakkuk said. The law always becomes paralyzed in a permissive society. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in that permissive society today in America. And the law is always paralyzed and all we have to do is look around in our own nation. A permissive society uh, redefines sin. A drunkard becomes an alcoholic. Adultery becomes an affair. Doesn't that sound better? This is what we've done. Sodomy becomes an alternate lifestyle. And this always happens in a society that is permissive, that sets aside God's laws and sins that would have outraged our fathers are tolerated today in the name of personal and civil rights. And you and I should be outraged at this. Not because it's an offense to me. Not because I think it's wrong, but because it's an offense to God. 
You know, I, 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 I sat down and I, I thought about the other day and I was, I was watching some video of this preacher talking about this. Do you realize something that has just overnight become a sensation across the nation is this transgender stuff? You realize that transgenderism is an assault on the very creator God. And there are many of them who says, well, I believe in God. But yet they're saying, God, you made a mistake. You made me a woman when I should have been a man. You made me a man when I should have been a woman. But we see all of this going on in our world, and, and it's tolerated in the name of personal and civic rights. And today in America, the law has been emasculated, hardened criminals. You know, you know an interesting thing about Israel, if you read in the Old Testament? If you go through, especially from begin with Genesis and go through the, the history of, of Israel there, you know something that you will never ever find in Israel anywhere in those books? You will not find one prison, not one jail. Because God had told them, He had laid down the law, when you're guilty of this, this is what you do. And you know what? They did it. They had no need of a prison or a jail. But today, in America, hardened criminals can, can play the appeal system and escape with punishments far lighter than what their deeds demand. Today, we put people on death row and leave them there for 20, 30 years. What's the point in that? The absolute standard of morality mandated by God's laws have given place to a relative morality which accommodates wickedness. You know, just, just let me live my life the way I want. It's none of your business. I want to tell you something, folks. It is our business. Because we see... Okay, I'm going to say this. And I know it's going to make somebody mad. That's okay. <laughs> we see today in America that... We have shunned God. And I want to tell you what happens when you shun God. God will shun you. And I believe with all my heart, America is done. We are done as a nation. Now, the, the elect of America, we still need to preach the gospel. There are those that will still come. But as a nation, I believe that we are under the judgment of God. And, and Isaiah, I mean, Habakkuk here is saying to God, he say, why don't you do something? And you and I need to look at our nation and look at God and say, why don't you do something? And God's going to say to you and me, I am. I am doing something. We have the whole sale slaughter of unborn babies. And God says in His Word, I will not hold him guiltless who sheds the blood of the innocent. So let's step back and think about this. <clears throat> Many believe that America is a Christian nation. But I would submit to you, and I have said this before, America is not now, nor has she ever been a Christian nation. People say, well, look at our founding fathers. They were good Christian men. Men like Thomas Jefferson. 
who took the Bible and cut out all the pieces he didn't like and created his own Bible called the Jefferson Bible. Men like Benjamin Franklin, great American, great Christian man, who so often visited a brothel in Philadelphia, they gave him his own room. We look all through our history and people say America's a Christian nation and it wasn't that long ago when a black man couldn't even walk down the street with a white person. Because that's what Christians do, right? No. So we must get this idea that America's a Christian nation out of our heads. Pornography flourishes under the guise of the freedom of press. Everybody, you know what June is? Come on, I know you all know. It's Pride Month. Not pride in being an American. Not pride in uh, being a man or a woman, but pride in living a lifestyle that God says is an abomination. And we celebrate it. Drug trafficking, prostitution, child abuse, they contribute to the moral weakness of a nation. And we see this, and such is the permissive society that we live in, and it was the same society that Habakkuk lived in. And I want you to notice something about the book of Habakkuk. When Habakkuk cries out to God, God does not say... Habakkuk, you go and call the people to repentance. Call the people to pray for revival. He doesn't say that. When Habakkuk cries out to God and says, God, what are you going to do? God says, I'm going to judge you. That's what I'm going to do. You know, it's interesting that Habakkuk was a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah. They were both prophesying in, in the same time. Habakkuk was in Judah and, and Jeremiah was in Israel and Jeremiah was crying out to the people and he was telling them exactly what God tells Habakkuk. He said, I'm bringing the Babylonians or the Chaldeans. They're going to attack you. And Jeremiah told the people, he said, when they get here, you submit to them. And the patriotic Israel said, we will never do that. And they threw Jeremiah in prison. Do you know who it was that Jeremiah was speaking for that said submit to them? It was God that said that. The wicked in Habakkuk's day, the wicked in our day, they both outnumber and they outvote the righteous. It's no wonder that his nation and our own was on a collision course with God's judgment. And ladies and gentlemen, it goes beyond our nation. You know that 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17 says judgment must begin at the house of God. Today we see in our churches, especially in America, there is a, there is a plethora of false teachers like never before in the history of the church. Now there's always been false teachers, but not like there is today. And I believe that's a judgment on God's people in America. Women pastors, that's a judgment against God's people in America. I, I find it interesting that this, this past week, the, a major denomination had their annual convention. And I was saddened by something that they think they did that was good. In order to make sure within all their churches and their denomination that there would be no women pastors, they took their their uh, 
message, their message of faith, and, and put in there specifically that a, a, the office of a pastor, a bishop, an elder, must be and can only be held by a man. Now, you know why I find that sad? It already says that. They didn't need it to put it in there because it's already in here. But we see this is what's happening in America. Our, our nation is under judgment. Our church is under judgment. And, and I want to tell you something, folks. I cannot find anywhere in this Bible where God ever began judgment on a nation and then stopped before it was completed. Nowhere. Verses 5 through 17, we see the coming judgment. God answers Habakkuk. Habakkuk said, God, how long? How long are you going to put up with this? How long are you going to quit looking at this? And God says, I will answer you. Now, likely Habakkuk had expected God to send a revival, as he had in Josiah's day. But instead, God says, I'm going to send judgment. Not only is God going to send judgment, which Habakkuk probably said, okay, I get that. But when God told him how he was bringing that judgment, I think Habakkuk stood there speechless and said, you're going to do what? You see, Habakkuk told the people, was told to tell the people to look at the heathen nations. The Jews had become as bad as everyone else. But the Jews would not believe what they were told. And many in our churches today concerning the judgment and the wrath of God will not believe what we've been told. The Jews had persecuted, as I said, Jeremiah for telling them to submit to the Chaldeans. And these were the words of God. And we say, you know what, I'm a proud Israelite, I'm a proud uh, uh, Jew, and I will never bow down to any other nation, I will never give in to any other nation. And God says, yes, you will. Does He, does God say the same thing to you and me today? Verses 6 through 11 he talks about the success of the Chaldeans. Habakkuk was giving a prophet, prophetic vision of the Chaldeans marching into Israel. The Chaldeans were extremely destructive. When they left there, they left Jerusalem and the temple in complete ruins. And here's going to be Habakkuk. He says, God, when are you going to do something? And God says, I am going to do something. Here's what I'm going to do. And Habakkuk says, wait a minute, God. The Chaldeans are worse than we are. And God said, I know. Do you realize that the fact that the Chaldeans were even more evil, more wicked than the Israelites, and God used them to judge the Israelites, that that just intensifies the judgment? Rather than seeing the hand of God in their success... What the Chaldeans would do, they would come in. God says, I'm going to use the Chaldeans to judge you, and then I'm going to judge the Chaldeans. Because the Chaldeans used by God to judge Israel, and then the Chaldeans says, oh look, our gods, the victory that our gods have given us. And they, they said, your God in Israel, he must not be any good because he let us, our gods, defeat you. And God says, so I'm going to judge them for giving glory to their false gods and their pride rather than to me. We don't always understand the way that God does things like this. 
But Habakkuk asked God, how long will you tolerate the sins of this nation? And God's answers was that he had already chosen the Chaldeans, a pagan and warlike people. And I wonder, I mean, let, let me ask you something. <clears throat> is there anyone here that would argue that America is a godless nation? Is there anyone here that would argue that we deserve the wrath and the judgment of God? I remember several years ago, I believe it was uh, Billy Graham, who said, you know, if God does not judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. And folks, I'm going to tell you, I think that we are worse than they ever were. And God's answer, he, and I wonder... Is there someone out there that God has already chosen and said, I'm going to use these to judge this nation? And Habakkuk was astonished at this. As I said, the Chaldeans were more wicked than the Jews had ever thought about. In verse 12, Habakkuk says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, O my Holy One? He says, God, are you not the holy and righteous God of all the earth? He admitted that from God's perspective, God had a wider view of this that most could not see. And the prophet understood that God's holiness calls for punishment of sinful Judah. But he couldn't understand how God, a holy God, could use the sinful Chaldeans to do this. And listen, you show me someone who tells me that America is a Christian nation, that America does not deserve the judgment of God, and I will show you someone that has no idea of the holiness of God. I don't like this either, by the way. I don't. I love my country. I thank God every day that He allowed me to be born in this nation. But folks, this nation is on a downward spiral. And we have allowed it to happen. But what God had in mind was not the complete destruction of His people but the discipline of His people. That's why Peter says judgment must begin at the house of God. You see, God judged the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament much harsher than He did the other nations. You know why? Because they were His. You know why God will judge the church much harsher? Because we are His, but we are judged and we are disciplined. And although the prophet could not fully comprehend the sovereign works, workings of a righteous God, he expressed his complete faith and trust in what God was doing. He said, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why you would use such an evil person, an uh, evil nation to judge your people. But God, I know you're God. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust God that you know what you're doing. 
And under the faithful hand of God, Habakkuk realized that the Chaldeans were coming not to annihilate, but to correct. Verse 13, he says, You who are pure, who, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Listen, folks, let me ask you something. Do you ever turn on your TV or your radio and listen to the news and watch the news? And, and I'm talking about the international news, the, the, the national news, and say, God, do you even see what's going on? Why don't you do something? Do you not even care? And God is telling us the same thing He told Habakkuk. He said, I not only care, I will do something. A simple declaration of God's character, you are too pure to look upon iniquity, is followed by a seeming denial of God's character when He says, you plan to use an evil people to judge us. To Habakkuk, the prophecy made absolutely no sense. In verses 7, 14 through 17, he says, The Chaldeans treated men as though they were just fish to be hauled away. So Habakkuk was troubled. The whole first chapter of this prophecy is concerned with his ever-increasing perplexity at what's going on. I remember telling my daughter not too long ago, Our youngest grandson is in school. Who raised you in second grade? You'll be in second grade. And she was telling me about some of the things that they're doing at the school and some of the things they teach in the school. And I remember telling her, oh, what I would give if you could see the America I grew up in. If he could experience the America that used to be. But folks, that America's gone. And I want to tell you something, it's not coming back. I thought for a long time it might, but it won't. It won't come back. And like Habakkuk, there are times when I have been perplexed. I mean, is it fair? What about us? Do we understand that a holy God must punish sin? I don't care who the nation is. And incidentally, because I, there, there are some, obviously, from what I've been told by them, that believe this. Being an American and being a Christian are not the same thing. And we have to realize that. And we have to realize that in the, in the grand scheme of the world, America is no more special to God than China is. Or Russia As a matter of fact, as far as I can tell from the Bible, from God's Word, when all is said and done, there's only one nation that is guaranteed to still be here, and that's Israel. Do we understand that we deserve the judgment of God? You know, it turns me to, you knew you couldn't get by this, didn't you? Turn me to Romans. Romans chapter 1. 
Romans chapter 1, we'll begin reading with verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, images resembling mortal man and birds and animals or creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring their, of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up the natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now I want you to notice that three times in verses 24, 26, and 28, it says that God gave them up. Now that applies to individuals, but I want to tell you something, folks, it applies to nations as well. And you look around and you tell me that God has not given us up to these things. Several times in this passage he says, although they knew God. Listen, Americans give lip service to God. You know, almost every home ranger game I watch during the seventh inning stretch, they sing what? God bless America. But why should he? And unbelief, as unbelief and immorality intensifies within our own nation, God's wrath, Paul says, is already being revealed. For years, America has been one of the big kids on the block. 
I shudder to think where we would be today had America not entered World War I and World War II. But folks, I want to tell you something. We have dishonored God. Cindy and I were watching the news the other night. You know, I have the utmost respect for the men and women of our military. And we were watching the news and they were interviewing and showing this guy in the United States Navy. He's an open cross-dresser and the Navy is using that to recruit cross-dressers. And you tell me that if we go to war, God's going to say, oh, I'm going to defend them. America has become a laughingstock in the world. Turn on some foreign news. Watch the news from England or watch the news from Australia. They really make fun of us. And listen, folks, it's not because, the, the, let me tell you something, the downfall of America is not because of who's in that White House. Because they're evil on both sides. They all have an agenda. We're evil and we are judgment of God has come and America is falling because we have tolerated the things that God says are sin. We've redefined these things. We've explained away these things. Can God revive us? Sure He can. He sure can. He can hear the prayers of His saints. But I tell you, you know, there are two instances I know of in the Bible. One is found in Jeremiah chapter 7. Where God declares that the people are so evil. And He's talking about His people. That God says to Jeremiah, don't you even pray for them because I'm not going to hear you. I want to tell you, that is terrifying. Terrifying to think that God might say, you know what, don't pray for these people because I'm not going to hear you. We talked about Wednesday night. There comes a time when I believe that every individual and every nation can cross that line of no return and I believe we've crossed it. I believe you can look around at our nation and tell that we've crossed it because God's not blessing America. How long... Will God allow evildoers to dominate the world? God did not give a clear answer to Habakkuk's questions. Instead, he calls for Habakkuk in chapter 2, we'll look at next week. We'll look, he says, in chapter 2 and verse 4. But the righteous shall live by his faith. And in chapter 3, we will see the prayer of Habakkuk. And it is in that prayer that he declares that he will rejoice in God no matter what. You know what? Turn to chapter 3. Look at verse 17. Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, 
nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the yields uh, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, Habakkuk says, even if everything falls apart, if nothing works out right here for us, he says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You and I need to pray. We need to pray not only for our nation, but when we pray for the nation, we need to pray what Jesus taught us. Your will be done. We need to remember that our prayers are not to make our life more convenient. Our prayers are not that God would make America great again. Our prayers should be, God, do what will glorify your name. That should be our prayer. And as someone has well said, God will be glorified in our salvation, or He will be glorified in our destruction. But He will be glorified. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, our, our hearts are heavy for our nation today, God just as Habakkuk's was for his. Father, too often we, we, we honor you with our lips while our hearts are far from you as a nation. Sometimes even as a church. Lord, help us to trust you. We don't always understand what you do or why you do it. But Father, help us to walk by faith. Help us to be determined that no matter what, we will give glory and honor to your name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.